this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode managing a difficult relationship has brought dividends to both india and bangladesh by all accounts Prime Ministers Narendra Modi and Sheikh Hasina have transcended many barriers and rapids to take their relationship in a direction that benefits both countries. Mr Modi appears to have put some distance between his home minister Amit Shah's use of the term termites when referring to Bangladeshi immigrants and the potential of bilateral ties. Sheikh Hasina's visit shows that with due preparation even an agreement to share the river waters of the Kushiara is possible. even as accord on the tista proves elusive there's little doubt that hasina's statement that as long as prime minister modi is here bangladesh and india will resolve problems between them is significant to discuss sheikh hasina's visit i am joined by ramnathan kumar former special secretary in the research and analysis wing who has served in bangladesh and closely follows india bangladesh relations welcome to the hindus in focus podcast mr kumar Thank you uh, Mr Barua and thank you very much for inviting me to join the Hindus podcast Mr Kumar from the comments of the Bangladeshi prime minister Sheikh Hasina she and Mr Modi seem to have established a first class understanding is that what is driving India Bangladesh relations now to answer this question we may have to look at the broad arc of Indo Bangladesh relations from 1971 onwards after the initial euphoria of the liberation of bangladesh in 1971 a certain amount of antipathy towards india began to grow in bangladesh uh, this was apparent even before the assassination of bongobondhu sheikh mujibur rahman in 1975 but the deterioration in the relationship really set in after the tragic events of 1975 from then on to the first decade of the present century that is for the better part of 30 odd years india and bangladesh were mostly estranged neighbors with many areas of disagreement between them the caretaker interregnum from 2005 to 2007 and more specifically the 2008 general elections that followed paving the way for the installation of the Awami League government led by Sheikh Hasina who has been who has been in power since then led to a sea change in the tenor and content of the relationship in a sense the trigger was the wholehearted cooperation extended by Bangladesh in addressing some of our core security concerns regarding the long standing sanctuaries enjoyed by indian insurgent groups from the northeast in bangladesh and the exploitation of bangladeshi soil by pakistani terrorist organizations such as lashkar e taiba and jaish e mohammed to mount third country operations against india it was this unstinted cooperation which led to a remarkable flowering of the bilateral relationship and while there are skeptics in bangladesh who feel that bangladesh has not been able to get all that it wants from this vastly improved relationship especially in the matter of equitable sharing of water resources the fact is that almost miraculously a virtuous self reinforcing cycle has set in 
as far as Indo-Bangladesh relations are concerned. As one can see from the joint statement issued at the end of Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina's latest visit, the gamut of issues in which the two countries are now cooperating is almost astonishing in its scope when viewed against the background of the past, from the greatly expanded trade to energy flows to cooperation in frontier areas such as information technology and space, and even defense, which was more or less out of bounds not so long ago. Now, this is not to say that all areas of friction and all irritants have been completely eliminated, but the fact is that this language of cooperation that we hear today would have been scarcely imaginable a decade and a half ago. Such transformations, of course, have their own momentum. And as the degree of mutual trust deepens, the areas of cooperation also widen. At the same time, the personal rapport and chemistry between the leaders at the highest level obviously imparts its own momentum to the relationship. As Sheikh Hasina has herself mentioned in her latest interviews, she has had a strong relationship with the Gandhi family of India going all the way back to the 1970s. Similarly, many know that she also had a very special bond with our former president, the late Pranab Mukherjee. So, it is understandable that when there was a change in regime in India in 2014, she may perhaps have been somewhat anxious about the future. But all indications are that she has now developed an equally strong bond of trust with Prime Minister Modi, who has been very effusive in his appreciation of her contributions. And this, of course, is a tremendous source of strength for the bilateral relationship and augurs well for the future. Mr. Kumar, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, I was looking at some of the Bangladeshi newspapers and interestingly, before Sheikh Hasina set out, the Daily Star in its editorial specifically referred to the issue of energy cooperation. Perhaps the editor, edit writers were conscious of what is happening in neighboring Sri Lanka and they're really hoping that India and Bangladesh can cooperate on the energy, on the fuel, on the oil front. Did anything specific come out uh, on that uh, from this visit? Well, I think uh, there is a clear reference to the uh, coming on stream of the Rampal power plant in Bangladesh. So that is a very concrete uh, example of energy cooperation between the two sides. And there is also, I think, a reference to extending some of the transmission lines uh, that will help to uh, transfer power from our grid to the Bangladeshi grid. Uh, so I think there is very steady cooperation in this area. You know, you rightly mentioned the broader perspective and picture of India-Bangladesh relations and specifically the improvements and the addressing of India's security concerns after Sheikh Hasina became prime minister. And that this momentum has continued uh, with Mr. Modi at the helm in India. What is your sense? I mean, when we look at this big picture, say five or 10 years down the line, how do you visualize this relationship if, you know, the present trends of an improvement in bilateral ties continue? Uh, you know, many years ago, I was told uh, that uh, our former president, Mr. Pranab Mukherjee, had once mentioned that if some of our 
core security issues were addressed, then perhaps the sky was the limit of cooperation as far as India and Bangladesh are concerned. And uh, I think I can do no better than uh, refer to this observation of our former president, because the areas of cooperation are indeed vast, and I did refer to several of them uh, in my introductory comments. And uh, there are, of course, I think, naysayers on both sides. But I can say, based on my personal experience, uh, that uh, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina has uh, demonstrated remarkable sagacity, in a sense, uh, ignoring uh, some of these doubting Thomases and concentrating on the positive aspects. And I think given enough goodwill and perseverance from both sides, uh, this transformation uh, in the relationship that we've seen in the past decade or so can really go far forward from here on. Would you say, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, India is, uh, as we know, the only neighbor to it, the many South Asian countries. Would you say that our foreign policy has perhaps stressed too much on our rather more difficult Western neighbor and in a sense perhaps neglected uh, this Eastern neighbor with whom cooperation is genuinely possible today? Well, uh, I wouldn't say uh, neglect uh, in the sense that uh, these are uh, uh, different relationships which pose their own challenges and uh, uh, you know, have their own opportunities inbuilt in them. And of course, uh, we have been talking of looking East and acting East for quite uh, some time. So I wouldn't say that uh, there is that uh, these relations, relationships have been neglected. Yes, they have their own sets of challenges. And uh, happily enough, we seem to be coming to grips and uh, we seem to be able to uh, have been able to address uh, some of these different kind of challenges with the passage of time, which, which is a very positive development. Mr. Kumar, turning again to, you know, some of the key results of Sheikh Hasina's uh, state visit, uh, in an interview to the Hindu, the Bangladeshi Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, uh, Shahriyar Alam, uh, has hoped that, uh, you know, the agreement on the Kushiara River will give fresh impetus to a possible accord on the Tista waters. What's your sense of uh, this? So as I mentioned, and as most of those who follow Indo-Bangladesh relations closely will be aware, there has been a certain amount of disappointment in Bangladesh that whereas India has managed to get most of its security concerns addressed, when it comes to the sharing of water resources, river water resources, which is of critical concern to Bangladesh as the lower riparian country, somehow its wish list has not been adequately fulfilled. This feeling of disappointment is, of course, best highlighted by the inability so far of the two countries to clinch a deal on the sharing of the waters of the Tista. Now, this, of course, is a complicated matter which has defied solution for a very long time despite Government of India's best efforts, if one may say so. The crux of the problem, as your listeners would be aware, is the sharing of waters during the lean season. And these lean season flows only declined further with the passage of time due to climate change, 
growing demand for water in the upper reaches and so on, thereby making the task of finding a solution all the more difficult. So in this context, the initiative on the Kushiara River is a welcome development in as much as it demonstrates India's sincerity in addressing a matter of fundamental concern to Bangladesh. There are more than 50 rivers that flow between Bangladesh and India and harnessing their irrigation, energy and flood control potential optimally for the benefit of the people of both countries is a complex exercise that has to be viewed in its totality rather than in the context of just one river or one project. So hopefully the latest initiatives on the Kushiara, Feni and so on will have a knock-on effect on the entire domain of water resources sharing and hopefully eventually lead to a satisfactory solution to the Tista water sharing issue as well. To take a slightly different example, the successful resolution of the complex and equally vexed issue of land boundary enclaves and territories under adverse possession by the two sides a few years ago shows that with sufficient goodwill and perseverance, they are capable of resolving even the most intractable of issues that drive a wedge between them. Mr. Kumar, uh, you know, in, in the same uh, interview to the Hindu, uh, the Bangladeshi Minister of State for Foreign Affairs also made a reference to the CAA or the Citizenship Amendment Act, in which he said that Bangladesh had been assured that India would not do anything that might create a crisis for Dhaka. What do you make of this statement? So as we all know, there is phenomenal interest and intense awareness among all our neighboring countries about developments in India, especially those that are seen as having a bearing, direct or indirect, on their own security and well-being. In fact, as the largest country in the region, we sometimes tend to overlook the fact that actions which we consider to be entirely within our internal domain can generate anxieties among our smaller neighbors. Of course, the reverse is equally true. And what happens in these countries can and does generate a domestic backlash in India as well. So whether it is CAA or any other matter, much will depend on how events unfold within our country. Suffice it to say that all developments, big and small, here in India, will continue to be watched keenly by our neighbors who will respond to them at various levels and in their own ways. You know, staying on Sheikh Hasina's visit, uh, Mr. Kumar, the Prime Minister, Mr. Modi, made a very interesting reference to the spirit of 1971. You know, everyone knows that, uh, you know, there were massive celebrations of uh, the 50 years of Bangladesh's uh, liberation and India's role in it. And Bangladesh has been very generous in acknowledging uh, you know, this Indian contribution. So in today's context, what do you think Prime Minister Modi meant when he referred to the spirit of 1971? So 1971, of course, was the high point in the Indo-Bangladesh relationship when a new nation was formed and the pernicious two-nation theory effectively buried. Now, various factors thereafter contributed to the waning of the spirit and to a palpable effort to downplay India's role in facilitating the liberation of Bangladesh, if not airbrush it out of the picture altogether. 
one of the most important factors responsible for the waning of the spirit was the rise of radical Islamic forces in Bangladesh, which were fiercely opposed to the birth of the nation in 1971, and of course committed the most appalling brutalities to prevent it from happening. These defeated forces, which had gone into hibernation, once again began rearing their head in Bangladesh from the mid-1970s onwards, and subsequently received a great boost following the so-called Afghan Jihad against the erstwhile Soviet Union, which attracted extremists and jihadists from various parts of the world to the Pakistan-Afghanistan region. After the Soviet withdrawal from Afghanistan in 1989, these dregs of the global jihadist movement dispersed and attempted to foment violent jihad in their own countries. One saw this phenomenon very clearly in Bangladesh during the 1990s and the first decade of this century in the form of the destructive activities of organizations such as Harkatul Jihad al-Islami Bangladesh, the Huji B, and Jamaatul Mujahideen Bangladesh, JMB. Huji B attempted to assassinate Sheikh Hasina and wipe out the entire leadership of the Awami League in 2004. A year later, in August 2005, supposedly inspired by Al-Qaeda, JMB carried out a series of synchronized bombings in all 64 districts of Bangladesh to propagate its central message of setting up a state governed by Sharia law. The political dispensations then in power in Bangladesh were either unable to curb these inimical forces or covertly encouraged them in the mistaken belief that these violent non-state actors could be leveraged for keeping a supposedly hostile India at bay. In the process, Bangladesh also became a springboard for India-centric jihadi organizations such as LET and JEM to mount attacks against India, while at the same time providing the fig leaf of plausible deniability to Pakistan. When Sheikh Hasina returned to power in 2008, the situation underwent a complete transformation and security professionals were given a free hand to act against the forces of radicalization, extremism, terrorism and insurgency that pose a mutual threat to both countries. These are hard-won gains and should not be frittered away by either side, advertently or inadvertently. Any complacency or laxity can easily lead to a reversal of the gains made during the past decade or so. The recent detection of terrorist modules in Assam, reportedly linked to Ansarullah Bangla team, the so-called regional franchise of Al-Qaeda, is a timely reminder that the danger is far from over. Indeed, it can be argued that in this age of online radicalization, encrypted communications and other technological advances that have been adopted by a new generation of terrorist organizations, adept at exploiting new technologies for resurrecting anti-diluvian ideologies, those charged with countering these inimical forces, both in Bangladesh and India, have their work cut out for them. So when we refer to the spirit of 71, the Prime Minister is talking about uh, jointly dealing with such forces in, in whatever uh, he meant and said. Yes, I think that would be a 
fair and uh, logical interpretation of the Prime Minister's comments. And, uh, you know, if, if I uh, maybe it's a slightly unfair question to you, Mr. Kumar, but nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and ask it. What would you think, what would you say are the three priorities that in the future, India and Bangladesh need to focus on? I think the biggest priority that both sides need to focus on is the rapid socio-economic development of both countries. That really should be the single single most uh, important priority uh, of both countries. I think uh, it is Sheikh Hasina who has uh, once said that uh, poverty is the is the greatest enemy that uh, uh, that confronts all the countries of this region and uh, uh, it is only by collective action uh, that we can jointly uh, uplift the living standards uh, of uh, of the people of this region secondly of course i think uh, as we have uh, discussed at sufficient length the uh, uh, security challenges that confront uh, both our countries uh, these their magnitude cannot be underestimated. And uh, there are subterranean forces of extremism and uh, radicalization uh, that are uh, at play in this region. And uh, should uh, we lower our guard uh, in any manner, uh, there can very quickly be uh, a reversal of some of uh, the recent gains. And thirdly, I would say this issue of water resources sharing, equitable sharing. There is a there is a certain feeling in Bangladesh that it has not been able to get its uh, rightful due. And I think, as uh, as the larger country, uh, India can uh, should persevere uh, in its effort to resolve this issue to the mutual satisfaction of both countries. Mr. Kumar, we leave uh, this issue here uh, for, for the day. Thank you so much for explaining all these issues to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for in Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.